podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of the iNewspaper and iNews.co.uk. I've got George Belshaw in Birmingham. I'm in Chester. And Calvin Betton, in, in a, a huge term of events, is the only one of us in London. Um, Cal- Calvin, you are uh, NTCing this week, is that right? I am indeed. I am indeed. And, and you sound uh, delighted. For one sound night, well, I say, I say for uh, for this week, I'm actually only here at the minute for one night. Um, and I may have to move out somewhere else, but hopefully won't. Uh, what? Why? Why do you? I mean, are you allowed to say why? Is there some weird politics going on? Here? No, it's just because there's um, there's a tournament going on at the NTC at the minute, so a lot of ah. players and officials get priority over. I see. Um, okay. I see you've got a top bunk there, mate. Could you not maybe just pop a, pop an umpire on the top bunk? Well, no, those are all that you're not really supposed to share anymore. They've still got like weird COVID rules in here because it ah. used to be like. In the good old days, um, they'd stick as many of us in a room as they could, um, <laughs> like a good old prison cell. But <laughs> since COVID, like no one really shares anymore. So yeah, yeah the the bunks are just there's no beds made up on them or anything. They're All just right, there. Okay. Uh, George, you're very relaxed. I understand. Yeah, I've um, been for a nice spa evening with my sister. So I had a, a Swedish back massage and then a, a scalp massage. And then which did you prefer, the back or the scalp? I mean, I I don't know if it's just me. I think I hate, like, pressure being put on my body. Like, whenever I have, like, physio or, like, chiropractor or, like, massages, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to really enjoy this. And I kind of hate every minute of it. My body's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, there's so much tension in here. This is not fun. Um, so I never actually enjoy the massage aspect that much live, but I always feel much better of it afterwards. So I probably enjoyed the scalp one more, but I now feel the effects of the the back massage right okay so. calvin you spend your life massage. around physios and massage do you ever like do you ever cash in uh no I, I think you know like my back is actually knackered and i don't think i've ever had a massage really like, genuinely Never. i don't think i've ever had one other than i mean other than if you know i've had an injury to a shoulder or something but i've never actually had a sports massage i don't think Remarkable. Um, uh, I've never had a. Oh no, I've had like hamstring, like lower, like upper leg stuff, which was incredibly painful. Sports massages are pretty painful. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> supposed to hurt, right? Like it's yeah. just they, the footballers all like shave their legs so that you don't get like like the hair like trapped Friction. in it, but it mm. doesn't stop the uh, doesn't stop the pain. Anyway, I mean, tennis players are forever game, like especially at the slams when they're. I think they're free there. Or they have physios there working, so they just they absolutely, absolutely go for it there, like two massages a day. Well, you would if you could, wouldn't you? If so if so, if someone's going to offer you a free yeah. rub down at any point, I I say I'm all for taking. Well, they they, yeah. they do that. So the journalist sent at the Australian Open, James. That's a, a weird perk at one point in the week that some a man walks around and kind of does massages to everyone. Yeah, sat at their desk I, I'm afraid COVID. Like so, basically, what what you find as a journalist is. Obviously, lots of things happen for COVID, and lots of them are things that tournaments used to do that they didn't really want to do, but they did as a kind of courtesy. And now, when they stop, they just never came back. There's so oh. much of that that just like just never came back. Oh, that's um, a shame. I mean, there that was, was a, a really period. nice touch. Yeah, well, it's a, literally, um, <laughs> there was a period when like you, you, we were still doing like Zoom press conferences, even though COVID restrictions had basically like 
ceased and we were still like doing press conferences with people who were like 50 feet away in a different room over zoom but thank god i mean that is now at least over i i can now just not go to these press conferences which is actually what happens but i could if i wanted no i mean i do try and go to most of them I, I, you know, as people have seen in viral moments on Twitter, Alina Svitolina laughing at me, Ons Jabeur correcting one of my statistics after the final the other day, um, because Ons Jabeur lost her third, and this is a seamless segue, her third Grand Slam final. Calvin, Calvin, can you still hear me? Is that right? Yeah, it was just weird. It was just coming through one headphone, but I think that's mm. what it does. <clears throat> um, yeah, Ons Jabeur lost her third Grand Slam final in a row. Would anyone like to have a stab at naming the other three women who have lost three Grand Slam finals in a row and then gone on to win one? Chris Evert. Oh, George, straight out of the blocks. Very good. You got any others? Kim is... Kleisters. Kim Kleisters is right, yeah. George is two from three here. Is the other one before or after Kleisters? After. Halep. Simona Hallett, very good, George. That's impressive. Uh, well done at home if you got that before George did. Um, yeah, and actually, I, I said to Ons after she lost her final, in a, she, it wasn't a tearful press conference, but it was that thing where her nose was blocked because she had been crying quite so much. It was it was tough. And I said, oh, you know, these three women, three women have, have lost three grand, their first three grandson finals and gone on to win some. Kim Kleister's, and she said, oh, actually, four. Because I bumped into Kim backstage and we had a cry together and she told me that she lost her first four and she did. But she did also lose her first three, obviously, by definition. <laughs> um, so she wasn't correcting me, just updating me. But yes, Onsjabur lost her third Grand Slam final in a row, 6-4, 6-4 to Marketa Vondra Soba. It was the, uh, I've got some good stats on this, or well, one good stat, which is pretty damning actually. It was the fewest winners in a final uh, since IBM started taking note of these things. Um <laughs> which is a pretty damning statistic. Uh, George, you were there. Um, mm. you, you, you were a paying punter. I, I, I think you might have been a wee bit disappointed. I think I had tickets for the wrong final, probably. This weekend. <laughs> I think um, that's definitely true. Although, the person I went with, who did very much enjoy the men's final, said they thought they would have struggled to have sat in that seat for so many hours and really enjoy that. So, mm. you know, maybe it's... I, I firmly disagree. I would have very much enjoyed to be in that seat for four and a half hours. But anyway, um, yeah, it, I, 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 it's probably a sign that I'm not watching as many tennis matches live as I once was, that I didn't hate this match that as much as many people did. And I mm. think, you know, when you watch tennis matches for a living and go and watch 50 during a two-week period, you probably do kind of really get quite bored and hate it. Whereas... As someone who just went to watch five or six in total, um, I didn't hate it that much. I, I mean, look, I thought the first four or five games were quite competitive, quite interesting, and then Jabor just lost her way, sort of rallied back from that breakdown in the second set briefly, and then the same thing happened again. Um, I... I have to say, I mean, I just, I think Vondrasova will go down as probably the worst champion at Wimbledon, like, <laughs> of either sex. I, I, I just think that's true. I, I think it's going to be an indisputable fact in a few years' time. I don't see her winning another one. She is the lowest played... ranked Wimbledon champion of all time at 42 in the world. A uh, lowest ranked female Wimbledon female, champion in the yeah, world. Even as it's probably before. I, I, 
I just kind of feel like <laughs> it's one of these titles that every good person she avoided and then she played probably the biggest bottle job on either tour to be honest like that's really harsh but like actually there's no excuse for Jabor losing that match she was the much better player when she was actually playing she got tight she made a lot of errors and kind of handed the match to Vondras over um, and I'm probably being a really mean there to say all that but I said before the final, if Jabor doesn't win this one, it'll reaffirm what we've been saying for years, that she's not going to win one. Um, and she may say in every interview, I'll be back stronger and I'll do it. It ain't happening. She ain't getting a better chance than that. She won't play a worse player in a Grand Slam final. Um, so, yeah, I think she's well and truly missed the boat, I'm afraid. But I hope I'm wrong, because she's lovely. And I'm probably being a big downer, and people will be cross with me. I mean, the thing is that... so. I- there's several things I want to kind of like, um, highlight there, George. Firstly, you're absolutely right when you say that your your colleague for the day, uh, I don't know what the label we're supposed to be using is, she was our production assistant on the uh, on the impromptu pod before the women's final. She was security, making sure we didn't get interrupted by JJ. Um, although she dropped the ball later on and we did get interrupted, so um, <laughs> come on, come on, mate. Uh, but, you know, it is worth pointing out that an hour and 20 minutes of tennis... Most people, that's basically a football match. That is 80 minutes, football match is a 90. Like, that, in terms of amount of entertainment offered, and, you know, all right, not loads of winners, but there's still 35 of them, still 35 shots that people will have applauded and enjoyed. You're right, I think sometimes you have to take a step back and say, there was a decent amount of sporting endeavour there that people will have enjoyed. And I know we should hold a high bar, and I can feel Calvin seething, but like, <laughs> there is also an extent to which people are relatively easily entertained. Um, now, don't get me wrong, it's been quite hard to convince people to read anything about Maketa Vondrasova today. Um, she does have an interesting story of sorts. You know, she grew up in West Czech Republic, very near the German border. Um, her grandfather used to drive her two hours each way to a tennis club in Prague. She then moved into Diggs at 15 and, and lived at the club. Um, she now plays at the CLTK in Prague, which is on like a, it's on an island in the middle of the the river in Prague. The name of which I, has escaped me. It's not the Berno, it's the other one. Um, and she she was like, oh yeah, it's just a small club there, but it's lovely. It's not a small club. There are sixteen courts. There's a stadium court with fifteen hundred seats. Like it would put it in the top two clubs in the UK. But uh, that's the Czech Republic for you. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, I can see that it wasn't a great final, Calvin. I mean, I'm sure you're going to put it up there as one of the worst Grand Slam finals ever. Uh, yeah, probably. But it's also in there with some, you know, the women's game has had a few of those in mm. recent years. It's This has been the problem with the women's game for all that we, you know, all the good stuff it, it brings. And it does bring some good stuff. It just keeps on failing to produce at the biggest moments. And, you know, it's uh, there was an article that we were discussing yesterday, wasn't there? Somebody was writing about how the women's game has overshadowed the men's game at this tournament. Well, you know, that was written on Friday. And I think the next two days put that to bed. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, that came out in Friday's paper after the two semifinals, which, and, and the, the article, go and read it. It's in the Times by Alison Rudd, who, who, who is a very good journalist, mostly an Arsenal journalist, but she also writes about tennis. And yeah, it, it it was maybe unfortunate that it followed the two women's semi-finals, one of which was really really watchable, um, 
and uh, the other one, which was an absolute stinker, which was Vondrasova against Svitolina, which was a lot like the final, in that Svitolina probably had a match on that racket and and just dumped everything into the net. Um, I think it's worth noting, and George, you will have been aware of this in a very real sense, that the roof was shut for the women's final. Now, anyone who was in southwest London on Saturday, well, not anyone, because there were localised showers, but it did not rain at Wimbledon. Uh, during the women's final. It was windy, but it didn't rain. 40-odd mile-an-hour winds and higher. And I am reliably informed that that was one of the reasons that they shut the roof. The The club officially hid behind uh, a yellow weather warning for wind, which said that there might be some damage to marquees, tents, gazebos, and branches may fall off some trees. I mean, if that's a reason to shut the roof, then goodness me. Look... As someone said to me when I pointed out the roof was shut, I didn't really understand why. Um, you know, who's complaining about that? Well, Onstrable is too nice to complain, really. Um, and she wouldn't. She said, look, maybe it was better for Vondrasova um, at, to have the roof shut because Vondrasova, all of her best results have come indoors. She grew up in the Czech Republic where she would have had to train indoors a lot during the winter. She, she is not a great wind player. We've seen that. Um, when she was playing Pagula in the quarterfinal, she was 4-1 down outdoors. It started raining. They came back on. She won five games in a row and won the match. Um, like it, it, it obviously favoured her, and she, she said she was delighted when they told her it was going to be going to be windy. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Calvin, um, was that Vondrasova was told it was going to be played under a roof at 10 a.m., and she went to warm up at 11 a.m. She still warmed up outdoors in the wind. Because she said she didn't want to change her routine. That seemed really weird to me. Maybe it doesn't seem so weird to you. I would think that's more to do with the surface, though. Um, unless they allowed... They wouldn't have let him go on centre court. No, they would. Yeah, Jabir, they... Jabir warmed up on centre. Oh, right. Then that is very weird. Then. I don't know why they do that. <laughs> I mean, they could have gone on... I thought they may could have gone on number one court as well. No, yeah, no. She, um, went, she, she went and hit on, like, 12 or something. I mean, um, what I will say is... It's, it's, a, it's a semi-valid point that Jabir makes there. But what I will say is that abs- 99.9% of players absolutely hate playing in wind. Yeah. So I don't, if you offered any player the option, now it's a bit kind of double jeopardy type thing that like a lot of players will think I'm going to wait and see what my opponent says here. But if you offered players the option of playing in really, really windy conditions or in under the roof, they'd take under the roof all day long. Like, no one likes playing in the wind. Good players don't like playing in the wind because it always favours... It's a leveller. The wind's a massive leveller. It favours the worst player. And by the time you get to Grand Slam finals, there aren't any terrible players. So I I don't think that if you offered Jabor roof or not roof, I think she she would probably have erred to roof as well because she would think, well, if I were a coach, I'd have told her to go roof uh, roof on because she's a better player. She's a better player than Vondrasova. And you think, well, the better player will will come through under a roof because there's there's less there's less random factors coming in like the wind. Um, I don't mind shooting it to be fair with for the wind. The wind makes absolute dog shit matches, and um, especially in centre court where it starts swirling around all over the shop. Mm. Um, and I think you know you have to have a threshold on it. I think if it's a bit breezy and it's a bit blustery, then no, you, it's an outdoor tournament. But if it's getting to the stage where it's like blowing things over then the match just becomes a mess. I mean, not that the match wasn't a mess anyway, but... <laughs> I've had, yeah, I've, I find it quite hard to believe that 
wind would have improved Jabor's game so much. I mean, she was missing so many easy shots that just imagine a bit of random wind carrying behind them as well. I mean, it could, it could have been an absolute horror show, really. Um, and yeah, look, Calvin's right. Jabor sh- should beat Vondrasova on every surface, night and day. She's a much better player. She's got a lot more to her game. And I'm probably being really mean to Vondrasova here, but like... Jabor's taken out the tournament's two best grass court players running into this final and has then just played like that. Like, she, she's cleared the path for her. Svitolina cleared the path for her with Sviontek. Vondrasova doesn't beat any of those three players. Not a chance in hell. She's beaten players who've got to the stage where they've recognised the opportunity and they've cacked their pants. There's, there's no other way around it. And, you know, there's credit to Vondrasova there in a kind of backhanded compliment that she didn't cack her pants. You know, she played pretty crap but she's stuck in there and she's like my my opponent's gonna give me this i'm just gonna stick there i'm gonna make this horrible match she's missing she's tight she doesn't want she doesn't believe she can win this and and that that's exactly how it came out it wasn't pretty but you know fair play to her she as much as i might say she's the worst grandson champion wimbledon will ever see jabal won't win wimbledon she won't win it because she doesn't have the head to win it. And Vondrasova did. So credit to her. You can only beat what's in front of you. And she did it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that, really. Um, is, is there any is there any hope for Vondrasova? I mean, Calvin, does she have to evolve her game? Does she have to improve her mental status? All of that... It, if you if someone offered you the Onsjibor job tomorrow, I, I would guess you wouldn't take it because there's not much room to improve there. But if you had to do it... I mean, it's a weird career. I mean, I'd do it. She'd probably pay well. Um, to be honest, she'd, she'd pay better than, uh, than, than I currently get, probably, yeah. I'm a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> screw you, lads, Luke. Two lads that coach do, do, pay me, do pay me well, but um, I don't know if they pay as much as somebody who's just earned... Uh, 1.75 million in uh, prize money um, <laughs> from from for losing a final, uh, but no, no, I, I, no. I've got to be honest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be interested in that because yeah, she probably has already reached the ceiling. Um, I think, and I mean, you can't say she'll never win one because there's. I've seen players before. I mean, I remember. I'm going to sound old again here. Talk about 90s, 10s, but I remember Jana Novotna. I knew you were going to say Jana Novotna. I love yeah. it when she completely bottled it in the final uh, and was in tears and that was that was a way bigger mess of a bottle job than than this was because at least she she had it on a plate Jabor just came out a mess from the start and you thought then she's she's blown her chance that's it you know and i think that's why she was crying she's blown a chance to win wimbledon and then i don't know 2 3 years later she found herself in the final again and against natalie tozia who was a pretty average player sort of you know top Top, you know, kind of ranked about 20, 25 most of her career. And she was just way better than her and, and ended up winning that. So you can't say that she, I can't say with absolute certainty that she won't win one, but I don't think she'll win one because, well, no, she will never have a better opportunity to win one than what she just has. Um, and the shame in it is that she actually, like George said, she beat the two best players on a grass court in the draw and still didn't win it. And that's that's the disappointing thing, I think. Yeah, and it, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, the women's game, lots of draws open up, and you get the opportunities. I mean, she opened the drawer up. She did that herself. She, you know, she can't look back at this tournament and be like, 
God, I you know, I maybe had an easy run and then was kind of spanked off the court by a better player. She she really, really did bloody well and you know, I hate to be kind of mean about it, but this is the this is the difference between the top level players and those who don't the pressure that sits on you in a final and you know, we'll come on to the men's final in a bit. Alcaraz, the way he served that match out was unbelievable for a first time trying to win Wimbledon against Novak Djokovic. It was crazy good. And that's just a guy who you know is going to go on and win all all sorts of ridiculous numbers, presumably. Or you hope, anyway. You know, things can obviously change. And just as we can't say with certainty, Jabal will definitely not win a title. Alcaraz definitely won't go and win kind of 10 or more slams or whatever. But, you know, yeah, the mental... Between the ears is never highlighted more than in those matches. And some players just have it and others don't. And I just really don't see that changing, to be honest. Mm. Um, would anyone like to take a stab at the number of unforced errors on Jabur made in that match, if they haven't already got it in front of them? North of 30, <laughs> I would say. It is north 30, 31 specifically. Um, and I looked at this uh, for a piece that I wrote and she's now made 69 errors in four sets of Grand Slam final tennis. Now, it doesn't include, I'm not sure how many she made against Rabakina, but in the two straight sets defeats against Svantec and Vondrasova, 69 errors in four sets. I mean, it's not it's not a good number, is it? I mean, it's a great number from some perspectives, but um, <laughs> in terms of unforced errors, it's, it's not a very good number, I think. I think everyone would agree. Um, yeah, I, I sort of want to find a way. Is there any way, does anyone have any argument that Marketa Vondrasova is about to become the new force in the game. No. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to leave the long silence. But, yeah. you, would, you, would, would anyone like to guess what the last title Marquette of Andrasova won was? Oh, my God. I'll tell you, George, Did... I, I'll give you a clue. It was a tournament I was at. Oh, you went to that one that Murray was at briefly last year. Like, uh, oh, no. Scandinavia. No, you're thinking of Antwerp, but that's ATP Antwerp. only. Uh, oh, the yes. answer is Shrewsbury, the W100 event in Shrewsbury, <laughs> which is described by uh, LTA sources as basically a 250. And I have to say, <laughs> I ha- no, I mean, you can laugh all you want, George, but there are two people there who have made Grand Slam finals or won Grand Slam titles this year because Carolina Makova lost in, I think, the second round there and I shared a taxi with her, if you remember, and Marketa Vondrasova won the title and now she's Wimbledon champion. So so get yourself to Shrewsbury next year if well, you I want mean, Grand Slam success. You're kind of joking, but it is a good tournament. Like, it mm. is, you know, and, and the piece I wrote about it is literally entitled It's Our Wimbledon. And, you know, <laughs> where champions are made. There you go. There's there's some free marketing advice for the Shrewsbury. Yeah, I'll be delighted with that. Oh, absolutely, and they should be. So, I mean, I mean, honestly, it's quite a good little tournament, but um, it's still just a leisure centre in Shropshire. What one for us to record in next year, maybe? Yeah, so, and there's a lovely Thai re- there's a lovely Thai restaurant in Shrewsbury. I'll take you to. It's really nice. Excellent. Um, that's actually this is that's a better idea than I'm giving it credit for, George, to go and do a podcast at the Shrewsbury uh, tournament. Galvin will have find an excuse for you to come up. There is, I was trying to think there's not a men's tournament there, unfortunately. But There used to be a 25k there. Uh, did they? Okay. I think there might still be, but I think it's in, in April, maybe, rather than at the same time as the, the ITF event, the uh, women's ITF event. Uh, right. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to say about the, the women's tournament as a whole? I mean, uh, I think the point I made, I did some TV yesterday, and someone said, oh, it's been a good Wimbledon, really, hasn't it? And I was like, well... No, it's not been a great Wimbledon, but 
all of the matches, and I know Calvin will disagree with this, which is why I'm saying it, but all of the matches that I can remember and have enjoyed the most have all been women's matches. Most of them have been played by Lena Svitolina, but there have been some good matches in the women's draw. There haven't been many standout men's matches. Top, top five matches is a good question, because okay. for me, Djokovic-Alcaraz is number one Sure, for me, in terms of quality, drama, and story. Mm. Not even not even close. I do think Azarenka's Fitolina was right up there. Yeah, 100%. You know, in terms of a good story, good bite, good drama. Murray Sissipas was a great match. That was a really, really good battle across two days, which, I don't know, somehow adds something a little bit extra yeah, yeah. of roof drama. I think it takes something away from that. I actually think if that match would have played out like that over one night, it would have been thought of as a real, mm. real classic. But it kind of felt like two matches, I think. And, and it, it kind of was. I think it felt like too much. Yeah, it felt like too much because it did. It, it, it definitely had a turning point, didn't it? Well, one was indoors, one was outdoors. Like, yeah, that yeah. alone is a huge difference. And Murray said as much afterwards. You got finish off your top five, George. I know you're going to say Rune Davidovich. Rune Davidovich Fakina just for the most mental final set tiebreak I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, that was bonkers. Um, and then number five is quite tricky, isn't it? I you know, well, I think Jabor Sabalenka. Right? That was one of my yeah. favourite matches of the of the tournament, just because of the swings and and Svitolina Shontek was a very good match as well and really dramatic. And you know, I really enjoyed the drama of that. Um, Jabor Rubakina wasn't bad either, by the way. I mean, I, I, this is what I mean. I think genuinely the last. I think there's a higher was... volume of better women's matches. I yeah. mean, the, the men's draw is pretty bad, apart from those matches I've just named. I think yeah. it happens to be that three of them are in the top five, but actually. If you scale that out to top 15, I'd say the women's matches probably make mm. up about George, 70%. I'm, inter- I'm interested that you haven't mentioned the five setter between Zhang Jilei and Bosik van der Zanschulp in the first round. Just <laughs> wondered what your thoughts of that were. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a big one. I caught every minute of it. And it. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you, a couple of Alcaraz's matches were pretty pretty. Well, you going to say Jarry. I like the Jarry match. I thought it was a good yeah. match. I, I enjoyed that. That would be my top 10, if not my top five. The, the thing is, and I realised this yesterday with when we talked about the men's and the women's match, and I, I keep saying this, and I feel like I'm a bit like a broken record, but I went, I actually watched the last set of um, the, the final yesterday. I was meeting some friends for some food, and we we um, we watched the last set in a pub. And it was the first time that I can remember, because generally I don't tend to go in pubs when, um, when tennis is on. Well, it's rarely on in a pub, if we're perfectly honest, isn't it? But the whole pub was encapsulated in it. It was, you know, there was probably 100 people in the pub mm. just encapsulated by this tennis match. And it struck me that the difference between, still the difference between the men's and the women's is the women's just doesn't have any stars. The reason right. that people were encapsulated by that match, the tennis was good, but the reason people were encapsulated was the story. It was Djokovic, this guy who's like a bit of a freak, possibly a the greatest hero, yeah. player ever. And he has this record of, of, of what he's won and coming back. And there's this, like, you know, there's this kid who everyone's heard about that is is challenging Djokovic. And, and everyone was encapsulated. And then the matches that George just referred to there, you know, they're basically, there's Djokovic, uh, Alcaraz, and Murray. Murray's still a star. You know, mm. it's like people will watch, people will go and watch Andy Murray. Whereas, te- whereas the women's game at the minute, and the thing with all those guys, all those players, is that Djokovic has won so many, been dominant in the game. Murray, it's a bit of an anomaly because Murray was around in, he's kind of, you know, you've got the big, he seems a bit bit insincere to call it the big four anymore. 
but it's the big three plus one. And he was that <laughs> other plus one, you know, and, and he's British, you know, so that's another thing. Mm. And then there's Alcaraz, who we know he's going to win a load of them. Whereas I don't think anyone would have been encapsulated by the women's game, regardless how, how high the standard was, because no one knows anything about these players and they don't have any record of, of repeated winning. It, it's, it, it just doesn't happen. And even Svontek, who's, you know, she's what, she's won four now or three slams. Svontek. Four, I think. Four, yeah. I think four. So, um, yeah, three, three French Three French, one there. US. Yeah, yeah. And it, but she has, she's won them kind of like she wins one and then doesn't win four. And then, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I just don't, it, it, it's still a struggle. Whereas if I think people, you know, I remember people would watch Steffi Graf, would watch Serena Williams and that you become a star by winning things. And, and they're just, aren't, the problem with the women's game is they don't have this record of winning things. You just get these, these random winners doesn't help the sport. It, it just doesn't. And, I, I always have a very anecdotal barometer, which is just how much people text me about certain matches, people who aren't yeah. interested in. Yeah. And, and the what, to be fair, the only women's match that really hit that point, it, I, you get a few texts about a final just because it's the final and people watch it. Um, but the only one that really did cut through and this probably supports the point of how important a narrative is, was that Azarenka um Svitolina one just because they were like oh I saw all these clips of you know this Belarusian being booed off the court and like banging her hands together and you know that was absolutely mad like you know it, it was that story rather than the tennis I do think the tennis is all, always such an underrated aspect of actually <laughs> cutting through the public psyche it's much more about the story and the drama um than it is really you know Djokovic Alcaraz could have been brilliant but if it was too if it was the world number five and world number six playing each other who'd never both won one slam each or something, probably doesn't feel as significant as as you say, Gavin. That that story brings it to life. And the T V figures really back that up because the you know, the the men's final was eleven point three million people peak audience on the BBC in the UK. That is the highest figure since Murray won Wimbledon twenty sixteen. Now Federer Djokovic clashed with the Cricket World Cup final, which is also on free to air and also a massive deal. So that probably affected that. But plus four million online request streams, fifteen million people effectively watched that match in the UK. That is a mammoth. Like fifteen million is like barring like England in the Euros final, like that is pretty much the maybe that'll probably end up being like the third or fourth biggest TV event of the year, probably. Um and live TV is well, that's the thing that actually that happens less and less now is, you know, in the old days, you know, when the Spooks finale was on or the Game of Thrones, well, that's a little bit different because people stream that a lot. But, you know, when there were big TV finales, everyone watched it at the same time. You know, there were national power grid surges at the advert breaks because people would all go and put the kettle on um, or water surges because everyone would go to the loo. That doesn't happen now with like these big TV events unless you stay up until one in the morning to watch the succession finale. Whereas it does with sport, and that's what sport has to desperately cling on to, is this ability to be like a, a unifying community moment. Yeah, it's look, and again, I'll come back to this thing about it's not a preference for the men's game over the women's game. That the, the the figures wouldn't have been that high if the final yesterday was um, Holger Rune against Boktich van der Sandschlag. 
Correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what we, and especially if Van der Sanschluck won, and that's basically what we had. Um, no, it was more be like City Pass against. I was going to say Casper Ruud is my comparison with yeah. Jabor. Yeah, Casper Ruud against yeah Casper Ruud against Talon Greeks, but mm. and you know it's it, it just wouldn't have held the same interest no matter how good the match was. Like it could have been one of the best standard matches ever if those, than those two played, but no one would have cared. It, it cared because people watch sport because they they want to watch stars. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Um, it's hard to hard to disagree with. Um, shall we move on to the men's final? There was loads going on on Sunday at Wimbledon. There was the boys' final, which we shall talk about, I think, maybe first. And then we'll get on to, of course, what 15 million people in the UK watched, Alcaraz versus Djokovic. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 